So, hi everyone. Um, welcome to our webinar today. My name is Sarah O'Leary. I'm from MIOSH um, Health and Safety Software. Um, before I introduce our presenter today, I just want to talk about this, the webinar software. You can ask questions on in the Q&A panel. Um, we'll read those out at the end and Brian will be able to answer them. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, if it's your first time and or, or once again, if you've been to a few of our webinars, um, we are um, put it, pushing quite a few out now. Um, now the the video of this webinar and a podcast will be sent hopefully later today or on the weekend. And um, um, I'll now introduce um, Brian Jackson. He is um, special counsel, senior lawyer for Moray and Agnew Lawyers. We'll send his details out after. And he's going to talk to us and explain the economic health and safety implications of the of COVID-19, of the crisis in your workplace. So over to you, Brian. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Sarah. So my name is Brian Jackson. I'm a workplace relations lawyer. And uh, look, well, the last uh, three weeks of my life has been uh, uh, dedicated to trying to come to grips with the workplace relations uh, and legal shifts uh, caused by COVID-19. Now, obviously, it's been in the media an enormous amount, unprecedented um, from a health point of view, but, but, but also unprecedented from a workplace management and legal point of view. There are changes to workplace law and regulation uh, virtually on a day, daily, if not sort of an almost an hourly basis. Uh, the Minister uh, for Workplace Relations has said that, that more has been done in three weeks uh, than in 30 years in respect of this area. Uh, look, it is a, uh, so look, just massive changes, massive dislocation, uh, millions of people potentially out of work, including in this country and around the world. So I just want to make two further points of introduction before I get into some of the detail of the changes and 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 uh, um, you know some of the key areas that I'll cover. The first is that, um, uh, as a general observation, uh, we are there are reasonably flexible legal environment currently, which is quite remarkable for the workplace relations area that I practice in, particularly for SMEs, uh, small and medium enterprises. That uh, if anything, we are in a position whereby the it's, it's about providing solutions and it's about necessarily getting things done to say businesses first and then looking for you know and, and, and then how do we, we look at the legal solutions so there's we're certainly uh, uh, the point I make there is that the environment is certainly more flexible I think than, than it's been for some time um, but there are definitely risks um, uh, yesterday the uh, transport workers union the TWU commenced proceedings against Qantas uh, in respect of the shutdown and for payment of wages. So look, there are certainly significant risks in, in the area. The, the second point of introduction that I wanted to make is that um, the Fair Work Commission is moving very quickly on a number of fronts and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover some of that in, in more detail, in particularly uh, the awards. So um, uh, can I have the next slide please, uh, Sarah? Um, slide two. Uh, so what I would like to do first of all is just look at some of the 
the actions that have been taken around the country uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, uh, and really go through some of the legal issues in, in, in very brief, short and sharp terms. So the first one of those is voluntary reductions in remuneration or hours. And certainly uh, that, that has been something that's been extremely extensively used. Uh, people working full time being reduced to 0.2, 0 0.4, two days a week, four days a week working from home, etc. So a couple of key legal points about that is that first of all, that any voluntary reduction or variation must be consensual. That is, it must be by agreement um, between the uh, employer and the employer, employee and the employer. And, and I made the point in the, in the slides that you know, these are very difficult times and the messaging and the, the approach to voluntary reduction certainly has to be empathetic uh, and collaborative. Uh, most employees in the current environment um, and, and a, a, a pretty understanding of the position and so it's a question in respect of voluntary reductions about working together um, with, 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 their, uh, with the employees. So when you have those voluntary reductions they should be confirmed by contractual documents that vary the terms of the employment and that are signed. So that's the, that's the first thing. Just as an aside, there have been significant amendments to a number of, of awards, in particular the Clark's Award, but also Hospitality Awards. There isn't time to go through all of those changes, uh, but there, there are provisions in, in those awards which are quite specific about uh, temporary reductions in hours. Um, uh, and, and look, you, you need to have a quick look at that. There's, there's plenty of information about that. The um, the second um, uh, of these uh, categories, if you like, is that of redundancy. And so what is a redundancy at law under the Fair Work Act? A redundancy is the termination of employment because the job that the person is doing is no longer required to be done by anyone. So that's, so that, and that needs to be differentiated from stand down, which I'm going to talk about in a little while. And the key point here, obviously, about redundancy is that the employment is terminated. Um, now, there's, as I've said in the, said in the slide, um, it's certainly compelling in, uh, there, you know, there are compelling grounds for it in the current environment. That is, if you simply just cannot see the necessity for the person on an ongoing basis to be retained because the, the job that the, the orders have dried up, um, uh, whatever it is, that, that, that the, the, the role itself uh, is redundant. Um, I should make the observation that a number of my clients and people that I've been dealing with have been walking back from that and that was certainly uh, used, uh, uh, that, or that, that approach was used earlier on during, during the crisis um, before, before the JobKeeper uh, uh, um, uh, allowance was, was announced. I've also made the point that if you're going to take the step of, of making employees redundant, selection criteria still need to be carefully considered and you need to just, I mean there's a topic on its own, but the, you need to get some advice if necessary about the general protections provisions so you're not making people redundant, you're not selecting people for redundant on the basis that they have a workplace right or they've made a complaint in respect of the employment. Selection criteria are still relevant. 
In terms of redundancy pay, the Fair Work Act and the awards uh, set out quite clearly what the relevant pay requirements are in accordance with the scale. Um, certainly in respect of redundancy pay for people who are less than one year, there's no requirement to pay redundancy for someone uh, who's been with the business for less than one year. And small businesses who are, have less than uh, 15 full-time equivalent employees are not required to um, pay redundancy. Uh, there's also under most of the uh, or, or, or under all of the modern awards, there are also consultation provisions regarding redundancy. To a certain extent, given the pace of what's occurred over the last two weeks, you know, employers have been moving through those consultation requirements probably quicker than they would normally. Um, and that's certainly where I've been headed with a number of my clients. But you still need to have some element of consultation there. So. Um, I've put in the third dot point in this slide the importance of, of, of keeping up with award variations. There's a lot of media about that and about, I'm going to talk in more detail about the JobKeeper subsidies later on in the presentation. So I'd now like to talk about the issue of standing down staff. And this is, uh, um, previously the law on stand down uh, was, was pretty limited, Section 524 of the Fair Work Act. It was a very unused provision um, uh, until the crisis began. Um, uh, it was m most commonly used in, in, in the context of, of, uh, of unions taking strike action. But the essence of Section 524 is, in, 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 in this context is that an employee can be stood down without pay if they cannot be usefully employed because of a stoppage of work for any cause for which the employer cannot reasonably be held responsible. So the, the key criteria are that there needs to be a stoppage, uh, the employees cannot be usefully uh, employed, and that's not limited to the work an employer usually performs, and the cause must be one that the employer cannot reasonably be held responsible for. Um, now, it, it, if an employer uh, unlawfully stands down employees without pay, the employee might be able to recover unpaid wages, and that's precisely what has been uh, put by the, the TWU in its claim against Qantas. Now, the important point here is that the em employer cannot stand down under general principle uh, simply because of a deterioration in business or because the, an employee has the coronavirus. So some of the examples of when in the current crisis the employer may be able to stand down include if there's an enforceable government direction requiring the business to close. So for example, uh, th movie theatres, gyms, clubs, um, restaurants without a takeout take service, that, that, that is a situation whereby there is uh, an enforceable government direction to close. Uh, that's clearly a situation whereby there's a stoppage and the stand down can be, can be put in place. Secondly, obviously, if there's a large proportion of the workforce required to self-quarantine and they cannot be uh, usefully employed, that, that is uh, a situation where stand down can be, can be put in place. The, the more difficult question is where um, you know, ongoing trading or ongoing work is inconsistent with government guidelines. Um, 
So um, there might be a situation whereby it does, it's, it's, in, it's somewhat indirect, and I've been advising on this all week, but certainly the, the question really becomes, is, a situa is it a situation where there's a stoppage of work because, because of the effect of the, of the ban, whether it's, a tra whether it's a travel ban or a ban on particular uh, uh, business that, that you simply cannot, cannot trade, there's a stoppage of work. So uh, the, the, the next aspect of stand down is that a stand down is without pay, although leave continues to accrue, and it's still the period of stand down is still considered to be a period of service, um, and that's a really important point, and it, it's certainly you know evident in the in, in the material that the government has put out, the Fair Work Ombudsman has put out. Uh, some very useful um, uh, uh, guides, um, and, and, and all employers should access those guides in addition to this presentation. Um, uh, accessing annual leave is, is not a stand down. Uh, I'm going to talk about annu accessing annual leave in a minute. Now, the other important point uh, is that stand down. Uh, cannot be indefinite. You cannot say, "Well, look, we're just shutting shop for, for forever or for the, for the for the immediate period." The the the, the clearly based on the, on the principles to do with stand down under the, the Fair Work Act, there should be a reasonable a time limit, whether that is the 30th of September, six months, whatever it, it might be. Although there's some opportunity to provide some wriggle room in that regard. Um, again, uh, in respect of stand down, uh, these provisions haven't been looked at for some time in, in, in a lot of the law, but, but certainly the way that, that, that we certainly seem to be moving, and I think it, the, the, it's probably the correct position, is that stand down provisions can be used to stand down a segment of the workforce, not necessarily the whole of it. Um, so. Look, stand down. I think the other, the only other point is that stand down is being used, uh, you know, across the board. Um, but certainly, there's going to be some legal challenges. There are some risks there, but but um, you know, it's it's a really important important method. Um, I, I should also add that stand down. Um, is being used with other with other tools. So people taking. Uh, leave and then being stood down. There's all sorts of options there, and, and, and again, there's some element of flexibility. So I'd now like to just can I have the next slide, please, slide four. Talk about the job keeper payments. A lot of people have been uh, uh, getting pretty familiar with this over the last uh, uh, couple of couple of days, and um, uh, you know we're, we're looking at. Um, uh, uh, as of the 1st of April at 5 p.m., 452,000 businesses had applied for the JobKeeper subsidy. So, what is the JobKeeper subsidy? So, the the announcement of uh, the JobKeeper subsidy uh, uh, over the weekend and on Monday um, was is the $130 billion JobKeeper uh, package. Um, uh, uh, and um, the the, element, the key element, as you would, many of you would know, that the JobKeeper payment is a flat subsidy, $1,500 per fortnight for every eligible worker. Uh, eligible employers are expected to continue paying employees through their existing payroll systems and then will receive a reimbursement from the ATO. 
uh, the reimbursements will not begin until May, but the payments will be backdated to the 30th of March, so that employers are encouraged to immediately begin paying their employees accordingly. Now, employees earning more than the JobKeeper subsidy $1,500 a fortnight, the information from Treasury to date indicates that the employer is able to provide them with a top-up. So you, you, you can top up above that $1,500. Now, uh, one of the other key elements of this, and again, most of you will be pretty aware of this, but, and I'm gonna come back to a query on this in a, bit, a minute, and that is that the eligibility for the subsidy depends on the size of the business and changes they've experienced in their revenue. So businesses with less than $1 billion uh, in, uh, in annual revenue must see a 30% decrease in revenue to be eligible for the payments. Now, and this is where the, some queries have been raised over the last couple of days, to, to establish a 30% fall in turnover, most businesses would be expected to establish their turnover has fallen in the relevant months, depending on a, a natural activity business statement, um, uh, and uh, report, the reporting period is relative to their turnover in the previous year. But where a business is not in operation for a year ago, or where the turnover um, um, had, you know, was, was, was not repetitive, the Tax Commissioner has discretion to consider additional information. So there's some flexibility on that. But fundamentally, businesses with less than one billion in annual revenue need to have a 30% decrease in revenue. Businesses with over $1 billion in annual revenue must be crippled by a 50% decrease in revenue. Now, which employees does it apply to? The JobKeeper payment can be claimed for an employee provided these criteria are satisfied. Full-time, part-time or casual employee who's been regularly employed by the same employer for the, over the 12 months. They were on the company's books on the 1st of March and they are retained or continue to be engaged by the company. So, and, and, and also very important because the whole purpose of the scheme was to get it out as quickly as possible is that if an employee qualifies under the scheme, they are entitled to the full $1,500 payment even if they were not previously making $1,500. Um, and where an employee has, a, has agreed remuneration of more than $1,500 per fortnight, the employer can meet the additional payments, in effect, the top up. Now, in terms of the stand down point that I, that, I, that I spoke about in some detail a few minutes ago, is that employees who've been stood down are still eligible for the payment. Therefore, employers have the ability to make the eligible, their eligible workers $1,500 per fortnight even if the workers have got, are, are unable to be engaged in work. And this is particularly relevant for businesses who have been ordered to shut down uh, by the government directives, um, such as businesses with, uh, within the retail, hospitality and tourism sectors. Um, and in effect, they, they can keep their employees on the books by paying them the $1,500 fortnightly payment, despite not having any meaningful work for them to do. Now, there's a lot of queries that have come out of this, but fundamentally, the way the government is, it has put it is that it's a bridge to the end of the crisis. Um, 
another important important aspect of JobKeeper, which has not been highlighted particularly much in, in, in a lot of the material that I've seen, and it relates to the redundancy issues that I mentioned earlier, and that is it's also available for employees who've been retrenched where their employer elects to rehire them. So the JobKeeper payments uh, uh, are, are really a very important plank within the workplace relations changes and Parliament is being recalled this week in order to put, to, to put it into law. Um, I, I want to talk about three, uh, can I have the next slide please? Um, there, actually before I, I deal with, with key duties under health and safety legislation, there are three new developments really over the past 36 to 48 hours that I um, wanted to address. And the first is the um, pandemic leave. The Fair Work Commission only a couple of days ago has made amendments to 104 awards um, to incorporate the right to take pandemic leave. Pandemic leave is two weeks of unpaid leave and is to last at uh, to last until the 30th of June of this year, um, and it's 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 being it's 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 pretty broad. It's 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 designed to provide uh, the employee to take time off work if he becomes infected, or uh, force to self-isolate, etc. Um, and what the Fair Work Commission have said is that the gap, that there are gaps in leave entitlements and protections against dismissal and the, by providing an entitlement to unpaid pandemic leave if employees are required to self-isolate or otherwise prevented from attending work where they're required by their employer to attend, um, the, 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 the pandemic leave is designed to uh, provide an additional armoury for, for, for employees to, to take, take leave in, in the current circumstances. The next main change also by the Fair Work Commission uh, is that employees are now allowed to take double, the, will be allowed to take double their accrued annual leave at half the pay um, and there, there, there are additional flexibility requirements in, in, in respect of that and that also is covered um, uh, in respect of changes to awards. Uh, so that, 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 that those, those the, the, the double the double annual leave at at half the pay is also being 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 uh, covered by changes to to awards. Um, there's also been applications, urgent applications over the last again 24 to 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 to, um, to, to 48 hours to vary enterprise agreements under exceptional circumstances. So this is situations whereby. Uh, an employer may have put in place uh, enterprise agreements um, that that lock in certain rates or that lock in certain percentage increases. Um, the Fair Work Commission has published a fact sheet in this regard, and so the idea is to uh, uh, vary those enterprise agreements um, to, to 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 make reductions uh, in flexibility. Uh, arrangements to ride out the crisis, and the first one was heard, and there was reductions made yesterday by the Fair Work Commission. The Fair Work Commission has made it clear that any um, uh, reductions uh, on locked-in uh, rates under enterprise agreements 
will still have to pass the boot test. So that is really just a very quick um, tour through the uh, uh, some of the key planks in in the changes that that have been made. Um, uh, you know, th those three is pandemic leave, uh, changes in in annual leave, and um, uh, applications to vary enterprise agreements. So I now want to just move. Um, to a separate part of the presentation, and that is because I would like to leave some time for some questions as well, um, and that is issues, uh, uh, key duties under uh, work health safety legislation. Now, um, obviously, um, preventing the spread of the coronavirus in the workforce is absolutely essential for employee work uh, welfare and also compliance with obligations under the uh, work health and safety legislation around the country. Um, uh, in respect of, uh, we've got different, slightly different legislate, legislative regimes in different states, but uh, for people under, for states under the national law, persons uh, conducting a business or undertaking PCBUs uh, and employers generally are obliged to ensure the health and safety of, of workers whilst at work. Um, this includes obviously providing uh, a working environment which is safe and without risks to health, uh, providing adequate facilities, information and instruction, um, and uh, uh, providing information and supervision to, to, to manage uh, protection of employees from the risks of coronavirus in the workplace. Obviously, extensive, um, there's been extensive uh, use of, of uh, hand sanitizer, facial masks, you name it, uh, um, uh, you know, this, we're, we're, we're in that environment. I, I want to be very clear, though, that, that Safe Work Australia and, and um, the law generally has recognised that employers will not be able to completely eliminate the risk of workers contracting coronavirus while carrying out work. Uh, that said, employer and, and, and the, the legislation uses language such as reasonably practicable. Um, that said, employers must, in consultation with workers and workers' representatives, do all that is reasonably practicable to introduce appropriate control measures and clearly communicate those to all workers. Now, that's obviously got to be um, tailored to the workplace. I, I was advising a number of retail outlets and we've developed signs, big signs to put up in the workplace in, in clear, simple English of what's in and what's out, um, um, how many people in the store at one time, where they need to stand. Um, the more detail I think you have in that material, the, the, the better. Obviously, employers are identifying employees who've traveled overseas, self-isolating, uh, ensuring that there's sufficient quantities of hand sanitizer, tissues, etc. Can I have the, the next uh, uh, the, the next slide, please? Um, a lot of employers have policies covering um, uh, workplace workplace health and health and safety. I think the key point is that um, having simply just a workplace policy that is a one-size-fits-all doesn't really help. I think you actively need to consider the context of, of your own business and the workplace 
and the work that's carried out there. Um, uh, a lot of employer, employees are, are working, tens of hundreds of thousands of employees are working from home. Um, uh, uh, we, we've looked at, uh, in, in, in my practice, um, allowing people to take home ergonomic chairs, um, allowing people to as far as possible replicate their conditions at home uh, in, in the workplace. I think you need to be also, and this is not a talk about workers' compensation, but you need to have some bearing in mind that there are workers' comp elements to this, uh, and uh, if there are claims, it's a question of keeping your employees up to date in that regard. Um, could I have the next slide, please? So I'd like to make just a, 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 some, some comments in, in conclusion so I can leave maybe 10, 15 minutes for questions. Um, I think the first point is that, you know, you need to keep up to date with this. It, the, the Fair Work Ombudsman, Treasury, uh, we've issued a number of, of, um, of um, updates over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, and I, I'm more than happy if people want copies of that, I'll provide those to Sarah. I think she would already have them, but I'll, 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 um, she can certainly provide people, for, for people who need them. Um, the second point is, look, I think most employees do get it. Most employees are, understand that we're in a completely new environment. And I think the point about being empathetic, um, I took a call before this, this webinar where, quite frankly, the employer was not being particularly empathetic and requiring the employee to work in the, in, in the facility rather than from home. I think it's a question of, 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 of thinking really about, um, about how to structure solutions. Point three is really important, and, and this is um, that it, given the, the necessity of you know businesses being you know literally a question, irrespective of leaving aside the health issues, you know for a lot of businesses this is this is life and death uh, from a from a commercial point of view, and it's a question I think very much um, about tell us. What, what I said in this slide, tell us what you want and, and we will adapt the legal solution that are market consistent and can be executed quickly. I think that's the key because I think the solutions are, are out there and they're being um, provided on an ongoing basis by the Fair Work Commission and by the Fair Work Ombudsman and, and certainly the, the, the options, you know, sometimes a question of tailoring, tailoring those options um, I've had clients who are looking to um, top up, um, a very innovative solution was to top up wages over and above the $1,500 across the board so that everyone felt some pain, but, but, but not, everyone, not one or two, a few people felt all the pain. Um, and it's just a question of maximising what you've got. And, and, and I think a, lo a lot of Australian workplaces can feel, feel pretty proud about how they're dealing with this. Um, in that um, they're working for solutions to keep their people employed so that we can ride out this crisis. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the last point obviously is, is you know, stay safe, um, but I think from a workplace point of view, it's really about working with your employees, communicating with your employees, and, and we're all in this ship uh, together. Um, uh, and, and obviously, uh, my prayers and thoughts to people. 
that they should stay safe um, and um, you know work together um, to, as the Prime Minister said, look for a bridge across across these troubled waters. Um, look, I, I wanted to leave at least ten minutes for questions. Uh, there's a lot more to cover, and 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 again, I think um, you know the key the key is really look look at the 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 um, um, the, 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 the awards. Um, um, uh, uh, look at look at options going forward with your staff. I just wanted to just uh, close by um, a, a couple of a statement that that, that um, the the federal minister for workplace relations, uh, Christian Porter, industrial relations, Christian Porter said said yesterday, and that is, uh, uh, you can see how these common sense changes allow flexibility in a number of businesses where flexibility could well make the difference between survival of the business and preservation of the jobs or the failure of the business and the loss of the jobs. So, um, Lucera, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take some questions now. Um, and, um, uh, you know, thank you again for attending. Sarah? Thank you, Brian. Um, okay, we've got a couple of questions at the moment. So the first one is, can you go through retrenchment guidelines and explain if this is an option? Yeah, look, you know, certainly um, redundancy uh, is an option. I mean, the word retrenchment is, is often used in a, in a general sense to refer to termination of employment, but what we're talking about is redundancy. And redundancy has got a, quite a, a specific legal meaning. It's, it's, it's a termination of the employment where there is no, where, where the, job, the job that the person is, is doing is no longer required to be done by anyone. So the focus is on the work itself. Does the job that the person has no longer require to be done by anyone? Um, and, 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 if, and if the person can't be redeployed, for example, and the person is terminated, um, then there are requirements uh, under the Fair Work Act uh, and under relevant awards to pay redundancy pay, to pay uh, notice or provide actual notice under the uh, un under the Act. So. Um, those are those those requirements are the basic legal requirements, and, and certainly a lot of employees are being laid off in the in the current environment as opposed to being stood down and remaining in employment uh, um, away from away from work for a period. Um, next question, Sarah. Um, this seems like more of a statement, but there seems to be an increasing sentiment that employers of workers who are required to continue to travel to workplaces for example, in the construction and infrastructure services, um, issue letters confirming the essential nature of the work-related travel. Yeah, look, I, I, I think that uh, in, in response to that statement, um, at this stage, what the government has advised is that people should still travel to work uh, where and, 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 and attend work uh, where they cannot work from home, and if they should work from home, they can. I, 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 at this stage, construction seems to be, uh, uh, or construction has been considered to be, in a sense, essential, and people are still going to work. I, um, I, I read this morning about a, a greater sense of lockdown or shutdown in New South Wales. I'm in Perth, but but certainly. Um, we're seeing a question as to what is essential and what is not essential. 
Um, there's certainly health, the health industry is seen as essential, groceries, and at this stage, construction seems to be within that category, but, but that is still sub something that what is essential is still some, something that, 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 that's being subject to some discussion. Um, uh, that's probably something that's going to be further sort of developed over the next few days. Uh, next question, Sarah. If employees accrue leave when stood down, do they also accrue annual leave, sick leave and long service leave when being paid JobKeeper payments? Yes, if they are, if, if, under the stand down provisions, if you're stood down um, under the, under Section 524 of the Fair Work Act, uh, you would, would continue to be paid, you would continue to accrue leave um, uh, even if you're receiving the, um, even if you're receiving the JobKeeper payments. So um, the, uh, the stand-down provisions are quite clear that, you, that if you're stood down because of a stoppage of work, you do continue to, um, you do continue to accrue leave. I mean, what, is, what a number of em employees have looked at over the last few days as well is just simply putting people on unpaid leave. Um, so they'll just that they they just stay on unpaid leave for a period. I, I think there's a query as to whether that that in effect is in reality a stand down, and there's some grey there's some grey in that. Um, and for a person who's who's on unpaid leave, such as this pandemic leave that I referred to earlier, which was announced yesterday, there would be no accrual of leave. But under the stand down provisions which is certainly what most people are certainly doing, is standing down their staff at the moment. Uh, they will continue to accrue their, the, the, the leave under, un, under the provisions of the Fair Work Act. But again, this is simply, I know the word unprecedented, uh, unprecedented has been used a lot over the last three weeks, but it is, it is from a workplace relations law perspective, it is, um, it is unprecedented. So um, that's that, 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 that is that, that's the answer that I would that, 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 that that's the position at this stage, Sarah. Okay, I'm not sure I understand this one, but you might. If hours have been reduced from a one to a point six, are staff still eligible yes. for the fifteen hundred dollar subsidy, or is it only available for personnel who have been laid off altogether? No, yeah, look, I want to be clear about that. The JobKeeper subsidies are people who have remained in employment. So they, they are employees who've been, who still, or, or, or they, are, um, they are still engaged by the employer. The whole point is to keep them, to keep their, to build a bridge, if you like, so that they'll come out on the other side. So it's for only for, it's for employees who remain in employment. If their salary, if their salary uh, is reduced, say from 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 uh, whatever it was pre-crisis to 0.6, and they are being paid, which is more than the 1500, the employer t would top up over and above the 1500. So in effect, that 1500 of 1500 would be subsidised by the by the government, and they would top up over and above that. That's something that will be, I think, will become clearer when the when the bill is released next week, it's all moving very fast, but that's, that, 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 that's clearly the position. If, you, if your salary is reduced, but it's still over the 
1500 and you're still working, um, are you still engaged, uh, and the, the employer would, would uh, it can top up over and above the $1,500 per fortnight. Uh, I hope that's clear, and if there are any follow-up questions, by all means ring me afterwards. Um, but I think that's, that, well, that's, that, 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 that's the position in terms of the, the Treasury documentation that's been released. Um, next, next question. Just confirming if an employee has taken a reduction in pay, that may be topped up by the employer through the JobKeeper allowance if they qualify. That's correct. That's correct. Was that a question or was that you, Sarah? Um, no, that was a question. <laughs> yes, yes. If, um, it, uh, uh, if the employer can top up over and above $1,500 per month that's reimbursed to them by the government, that's correct. Okay. Uh, Sonia asks, is there any move to relax awards so that teams can be split more easily and work, say, for example, on a Saturday? Um, there's been... Um, the, the, there were changes to the Clark's Award that were, that, that, that were, were, were um, issued to provide some more flexibility. I think with a lot of, the, a lot of this area, a, a lot of where we're headed over the next couple of days, as more changes, because I, 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 you know, the changes are coming thick and fast. I don't know what the precise change would, there would be, but certainly flexibility is being encouraged, and, and I, I think that solutions that keep people working um, are, 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 are to be encouraged. So I, I think anything that that uh, allows for for people to stay in work, I, I, I think it certainly uh, uh, certainly should be encouraged and should be um, uh, should be used. I mean the Clark's Award. I think people should uh, um, have a look at the, the there are a number of press releases on the Clark's Award and also on in hospitality that have made some that have allowed for greater flexibility. So. Um, I, I, I think you should have a look in, at that in more detail. Uh, next question, um, Sarah. After the $1,500 job keep payment has been paid, the top-up payment by the employer, is this compulsory? Can the $1,500 payment just be paid on its own? Look, it can, but you, look, you, it, you can leave it as a $1,500, but it might be that, that the employer has some additional funds and therefore wants to keep the employee engaged, and therefore the, the, the advantage of the top-up is that, particularly for employees on a, relative, uh, on a higher salary, it, it, it's, an, it's, it's, it's an incentive to keep them working on work that they, that, that they currently can do. So, if, so for example, I don't know if the person's on $100,000 per annum, and they drop to to um, say 6.6, and they go to 60,000. Um, the top up between the the, the the additional top up really just just the idea is to keep people keep people going. So, uh, you know, employers certainly can top up, um, and um, you know that that. The, the fundamental point that's been made by Treasury is that employees earning more than the JobKeeper subsidy, um, the employees are, employer is able to provide them with the top-up. So um, the, the idea there is that if, 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 if the reductions in salary are, um, 
um, result in the employee having still having a salary that's above the, the $1,500 per fortnight, the employer can, and, and where, it, where, it, where, 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 where it has the funds, can certainly top up. Um, I think there's going to be more on the top up, um, but but that's 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 where we're at at the moment. Um, next question. Do you know if New Zealand has a similar clause to Section Five Two Four? I don't know. Unfortunately, I, I, it's uh, um, I, I this this provision's been in the in the Act. Um, it came from the Workplace Relations Act. From the, uh, so it's been around for a long period of time, but as I said, it was underused. So I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know whether New Zealand has uh, ha, ha, has such a clause or not. Um, Phil asks, our business is so far not greatly impacted. However, this may change in April, May, June. Do you think that the job seeker support will be extended as more businesses are impacted down the track? Yeah. So the position there is that. Um, as I said during the presentation, is that the is that the eligibility for the subsidy is where um, uh, businesses have smaller businesses with a, with a revenue of less than one billion dollars. They must see a thirty percent decrease in in revenue, and to establish that thirty percent fall in turnover, um, the businesses need to establish that through the natural um, activity business statement over um, uh, uh, over the previous year. So, so it's, it's, it's that fall relative to their, their turnover a year earlier. Um, if, uh, but there is some discretion in that respect. If, if over, over the next couple of periods, in a couple of months, um, the, the, the relevant employer does start to see those reductions then you can start applying. I mean, one of the things that a number of commentators have said is that, uh, unfortunately, there's an disincentive for people to, to, to get above that 30%, uh, to, to expand their business above that 30%. But we are, in a, to a certain extent, in a, in a holding pattern in that regard. So, um, again, it, it, um, it, you know, uh, um, if, if you, you, you know, if you're in doubt, I would, I would, I would probably apply. But again, you, you've got to be able to demonstrate that that 30% fall in turnover. All right, um, Brian. We'll just have one more. Um, there are still quite a few after that, but I'm going to send them to you. You might want to answer them in another way. We could perhaps send. Yeah, some you can do a couple more later. Things. All right. So. This one is interesting. Do you believe that office team members should be required to attend work when they can work from home? Look, I, 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 I think the position with working from home is that um, uh, at, at this stage, what, what uh, the directors have been is to, if you can work from home, you should work from home. Um, if that's simply not practicable, the, the, the less time we look, we're sort of headed towards a, 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 some sort of, you know, further lockdown or further stringencies. If uh, uh, where practicable, work from home. I think that's that's. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm, I don't work for the government, but that's the that's really the tenor of the directives, um, and. Uh, 
again, employers, are, in, in my dealings with most employers and clients over the last few, last week, it's not a question of employers directing one way or the other. If you can work from home, employers want their staff to work from home. So we're seeing a lot of collaboration and, and a lot of common sense, I think, in, in, in that regard. Um, and I think it's just a question of working collaboratively. We can, we can do one more, um, Sarah, if you want. What are your thoughts on a business following health department guidance on not recommending face masks in general workplace for employees that are not unwell? Oh. However, the larger client decides that their employees are to use face masks in the general workplace. This causes confusion and friction, especially when face masks are in short supply. Your thoughts? <laughs> um, look, it's not a legal question. I don't think there's been any, any particular directives on this. Um, look, I, 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 my view for what it's worth is that uh, given, given concerns about contracting the virus, I think if people have got masks uh, and there's a level of comfort around the office, people can wear, people can and should wear them. I don't see any great difficulty with that and I think, um, you know, we're in it, there's, there's, there's been a lot of confusion about that issue, frankly, not just in Australia but around the world. I, I think where it's practicable, I think in higher risk work, workplaces, hospitals, anything health-wise, I think to the extent that they've got the masks, they should be used, but, but, but I, can't, I can't comment in detail about that. Um, that's that's probably a broader question, um, and there's certainly no regulations about it or legal issues. In, well, as a lawyer, I can't I, I can't go any further than that. So, all right. Well, look, thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you, Brian. That was great. Um, I, there is an email going out very soon with your contact details on, so they'll be able to ask you more questions, and I'll send you these other ones and a video later today, hopefully, and a podcast. So, thank you okay. very much. Thank you so much. And, and again, on a personal level, people, my, my, uh, certainly my prayers are with you and, and um, people should, should stay as safe as possible and, um, um, you know, let's, let's you know, stay safe. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.